the the only counter to that I will say is like for instance the information is heavily using uh, OpenAI right now and GPT stuff for some very cool projects and the interesting differentiation there is actually developer experience and ease of use right right now right which is like it's kind of annoying to use some of these other things you have to talk to humans like things like that and GPT is the uh, OpenAI is the only company that kind of Twilio style you really can just like click 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 with really basic mm. APIs and get What kind of stuff. an AI company are you if you have to talk to humans? Oh, yeah. exactly, yeah. right? Hi guys, we're, we're supposed to we're supposed to focus now. The podcast has started. <laughs> the um, fifth wheel. Hi guys, the well, fifth wheel is here. <laughs> Was that a good jingle? <laughs> okay, well, hello, hello to all our listeners, viewers out there. Welcome to this week's episode of More or Less. And yes. Sam and Britt spilled the beans. We have a fifth wheel. You may recall from last week, we thought that we were going to have a substitute. But good news for all you snow bums out there. There is already snow high up in the mountains of Jackson Hole, which killed Sam's trip. But means we have the um, the quintet. Is that what we have here? Yes. Okay. We sing, though. We don't well, sing. some of us well, do. Welcome, obviously. Scott Belsky. So, um, Dave, you could let's have just invited each me. It's okay, you know. <laughs> no, it's okay. We, but this is, um, I think, for our fifth wheel intro. And man, we have so much to cover this week, guys. It's been a crazy week. Each person has to say one fun fact about Scott Belsky. And for all of you listeners out there, you should know that his day job is very important, very big. Um, Scott is the chief strategy officer for Adobe and also runs their emerging tech. So he's got a legitimate bona fides for being on this podcast. And now you're all going to hear why he's really And thank God he has that second part of the title because we all know that chief strategy officer is a fake job. (laughs) (laughs) Bingo. Sam already trying to scare off the fifth wheel. Okay, already scaring off our fifth wheel. So Sam, that was you. Britt, what what does the listenership need to know about Scott? I think you should know that... um, Scott looks really good in a cardigan. He <laughs> tends to dress in skinny jeans, cardigans. Um, he's very not sure East if I Coast should be worried chic. about that. He makes Dave feel really insecure about his fashion style, and I think it's <laughs> net positive for Dave because he should be insecure because it's time for Dave's fashion to evolve, and we're working on it. Oh man, here we go. <laughs> okay, man, something to look okay, forward man. to. He is not wearing a cardigan, folks. I gotta say. Or a plaid shirt, which is sort of how I picture Scott, constantly in gingham. Anyway, Dave, over to you. (laughs) Well, uh, Scott is uh, my uh, personal PR man because he always uses one of my favorite quotes in his presentations, which is the devil and the defaults. And then my inbox gets filled up with people um, talking about the wonderful presentation that Scott. You know, that's also the FTC's favorite uh, (laughs) catchphrase, (laughs) especially this week. Did the FTC get that from you? (laughs) (laughs) 
Am I allowed to speak before I'm introduced? This no, is right? yeah, we of never had a fifth wheel, and we no, should no. just turn fifth wheel into roasts. This is awesome. <laughs> You're never going to have a fifth wheel again after this. No one's going to want to be in this role. Oh, yeah. I also love that we're at FTC, and we're like 60 seconds into this thing. It's going to yeah. be a good pod. So, yeah. um, okay, so then it's my turn. You know, I'm pulling up the illustrious profile of Scott Belsky that recently ran in the information. And I got to say, it's got great art. <laughs> it's got great art. It's like a sprinkling light thing. Headlined, can Adobe catch the AI bug? So among the many things Scott has done at Adobe is um, really bring the company into the AI era and at least attempt to buy Figma for $20 billion, which is pending regulatory approval. But um, that's very exciting. So everyone should read this profile to learn more about um, why Scott knows way more about AI than pretty much all of us, which means it's a very good... Speak for yourself. Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> oh, my God. It's a team effort over here. It's a part. If there's one way to irk my husband, it is Sam too. tries really hard to know the least about AI. <laughs> he would like... To, Sam's also my intern, by the way. So, you know. He, he doesn't uh, like my camera shot here. So now we will. There we go. You got to pull um, back a bit, Jess. You'll have title those. You know, I was just reading the internet so that I could appropriately quote this article. But okay. So, what is happening in tech right now? So, we have MetaConnect. You guys. We could go into a history of Facebook developer conferences, but I don't think that would be the most exciting thing to do on this pod. Although, Dave, I think we met at F8. I think you and I met at F8. Yep. But Dave, you're not in the second row. What's going on, man? <laughs> I don't know. I don't get, I started that conference and I don't even get invited to it anymore. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. That, that actually shows that Meta does not have its VIP act together, I would say, um, ding ding compared to Apple. But um, so Meta is unveiling. Products we, pr- we basically already know about, but the AR glasses infused with AI, AI chatbots of Kim Kardashian. I'm not sure why we need this, but we can talk about it. Um, at the same time, there's been a lot of news this week. There's been news of OpenAI raising money at a $90 billion tender valuation. Um, myself and my amazing colleagues at the Information Broker Story recently that Sam Altman, the CEO of OpenAI, and Johnny Ive, the former Apple designer, designer of the iPhone, have been um, deep in conversations about building a hardware device together um, that kind of is suited for the AI age. So lots of AI on the brain. Um, Where should we start? Should we start with Meta and any kind of flash reactions to what we've kind of seen today? What about Amazon? Are we talking about that? Yes, and we will obviously talk about probably the most boring, but maybe the most important topic. But the government has finally sued Amazon. Um, And I say finally, not because I think Amazon should necessarily be sued, but because these lawsuits leak. Oh, come on. This is the only viable monopoly case that there is. Oh, then we have to debate this one. We have to (laughs) debate this one. Do I get to wax poetic about how? All this AI stuff continues to only benefit incumbents with Spotify's announcements. Yes. Okay, so what? Let's start there. So we have all yeah. these AI announcements. I'm going to go to Sam. Then I'm going to go to Scott. So be ready, Scott, for like what what these last few announcements have told us about the state of play. Okay, Sam, over to you. Easy. It's Spotify releases. Very cool. Transcribe any podcast into any language, so you can have a global audience for your podcast. Great use of AI. 
Obviously, Spotify is releasing that. That just dashed the hopes of about 50 startups that were all doing some form of this. But they have the distribution. They have the podcast. It's an easy bolt-on. And so, as I said, AI is super cool. AI is going to make a lot of big companies a lot more money. And I will say, since Scott's here and then he can take it away, you know, every time I get pitched, we are uh, Adobe for AI. I like <laughs> saying Adobe is Adobe for AI. And they are... <laughs> So that's kind of my hot take, but it is one of those things. It's not not a new hot take, but it will continue to just be. I like seeing it show up on Tech Meme over and over and over because this is the world's most obvious theme. At least they're quoting your Threads account on Tech Meme now. <laughs> Fair enough. Oh my god! But Sam, would you include what's happening at Meta as part of this, or, or too early? Absolutely, to say? absolutely. Character yeah, no AI, Sayonara. Like it's not like. You know, it, these are cool ideas, but the reality is you have the data, you have the distribution. AI is an easy tack on for platforms. This is not disruptive. It's just extending what they can already do. Okay. What's the Belsky view? I mean, well, first of all, you know, I think about all the big waves that have driven the startup world over the years. What have they been? They've been web, they've been uh, mobile, go to the cloud. I mean, a lot of these waves caught incumbent large companies that, you know, operate in those spaces somewhat off guard. And then they realized, oh my gosh, that is the future. And then they embarked on multi-year replatforming efforts and reimagination efforts that, you know, totally slowed them down. And these startups had an opportunity to like launch the first mobile X, mobile this or web this or cloud this. And, you know, that's how these industries, you know, were, were all transformed. And I think that with AI, I think the the D squared here, the data and the distribution point that uh, that Sam was making, yeah, I mean, my goodness, if you can just surface some of these superpowers in the workflows that customers have so that tomorrow when they log in, suddenly they have it, then they don't have to necessarily go to an entirely new place and abs- you know go through the friction of doing so. I think that that's a reason why the game is a bit different here. Ironically, though, the thing that I'm most excited about with, with AI is kind of giving the small the advantages of the big. I mean, I also think SMBs are going to have the greatest, you know, future, okay. you know, right? Because they're going to suddenly you have all these small companies that operate at the, you know, they're going to be able to, to Sam's point, like take something and totally transcribe it in seconds to every region. And suddenly, you know, shift a content creator can be in like 140 languages by midnight, you know, and it's like, whoa. Um, that that is a super empowering thing that AI does for the for the small guy. Yeah. So uh, I won't dominate, but I just want to point out that the way I've been thinking about this is a big U, right? It's like AI is hugely beneficial if you're tiny, enormously, right? Just as cloud is, right? Going from heavy metal, you know, hard metal, you know, big server racks, iron to the cloud. It's like mm. massively empowering to be a small business. It's never going to be. Be- it's never been a better time to, as a solo entrepreneur, launch on fifty thousand dollars of business and make four million dollars in your first year crushing it. Huge Mm -hmm. opportunity there, which seed funds might be able to help with. Not big funds, but seed funds. Huge for the Adobe's, the Microsoft's, the, you know, the Spotify's of the world, the dominant players. The middle, per usual, gets fucked, right? Like, you do not want to be... Who's the example of the middle? Is the middle, like, a company that has launched in the past two years to do AI for marketing or AI for... Is that the middle? Like, I mean, my view is anyone whose business ends in .ai or who's taking (laughs) loads of venture funding, right, to uh, to build, you know, a some the next generation money losing sca- go for scale startup attacking an incumbent with AI as a differentiator. Those are the losers. But Those are not going to survive. Sa- but Sam, just to take a step back, I think that you're right on data and distribution, Scott. I like the D squared uh, term too. But like 
What if you only have one of the two? What if you have data but no distribution or distribution but no data? Is that then an open opportunity for a startup to exist? There are always exceptions. Usually data and distribution go hand in hand. Like it's kind of hard to have one without the other. I'm well, sure there are. I, no. I think that she's right. And we've seen this where there are proprietary data sets that sure. are powerful for creation of these AI related tools, but that don't necessarily have distribution in the channel that they're going to use the data set in. What's an example? Potion. Yeah, we've got a, a startup that um, has access to a ton of formulation data for, you know, whatever, everything from like sunscreen to beauty products, you know, skincare, et a couple. I mean, Cobalt is another example, by the way. I don't know if you've heard of that one, but they're just uh, using um, mining data to identify mineral deposits yeah. using AI. And I, yeah. I actually think it's an interesting lens is is areas where the data is distributed no one currently stores it and 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 then then a startup can kind of come in gather it clean it up i mean think about like even up or you know some of these legal startups that this was all a distributed like personal injury law was like the most fractured crazy and you know and 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 annoying jingles that get in our heads from like late night local television commercials and stuff and then now it's like wow maybe this can all be done with ai and then you know and and aaron uh, from box always makes the point that it's also like human workflows that are or or really uh, you know workflows that exist that are currently only done by people that were for which there's no software obviously is in a major opportunity. Well, no question. Aaron at box dot box.net loves this <laughs> because that he has a commodity business, right? Competing with a bunch of giants as a subscale player. And his dream is that all that data stored in box can all of a sudden magically become structured and more useful, right? Internalized. Cause it would be great for his business, right? Well, so you got understand data and he has great distribution. So the, you know, um, so, but look, I, I agree. I mean, I think there are going to be exceptions, you know, if you're a satellite company and like all, of a sudden, or like have a huge data set, all of a sudden it gets more useful. I think there are for sure exceptions to this, but I would just be very cautious because that data better be truly proprietary. You know, this idea that people are going to like take any sort of commodity data and do something that some, not every other person in the world can do. I think that's the thing is like, it's just a tool that everyone can use and there's no, there's no incumbent penalty. But for doesn't sure. that, that leads to one of my questions, which is if everyone's going to do it, where's the value? So like, totally. And especially, I mean, Sam and I were spending time over the weekend with people who were, you know, building the the big LLMs, right? Like the four frontier models, so to speak. Um, And my kind of question is like, okay, if they all converge in their capabilities, which seems likely because they're trained on the same hardware, you know, at some point, like you have enough data, um, then then are we even missing this? Like what we just outlined is based on the idea that there will still be some differentiation. And I, I don't know, is that, what do you guys think about that? Between the LLMs themselves? Come on, fifth wheel. Yeah, yeah, between the LLMs themselves. Well, I think that there's going to be differentiation in terms of the competitiveness of who uses who. I think you're going to start seeing, remember how there was a time where uh, some companies that use AWS that competed with Amazon didn't want to use AWS, and they went to other cloud, and that sort of yeah, like helped Walmart, drive Google Walmart's Cloud good, and other yeah. things. I mean, don't you think it's going to be the same thing? I mean, think about these agents totally. that are going to welcome us and personalize our experience across every website that we go to. They're, the, the LLMs that are that are powering those are going to come from probably the big four that you just cited, and then you know, is that going to start to? Is it going to be like, oh, I work with this one, so my you know Target works with one, so Walmart wants to work with another, like? 
I wonder if that's one form of differentiation. Well, the other thing that will come, come, start happening is exactly what happened with cloud, where everyone basically dangles carrots in front of each other, fatty contracts to move each other over. It's like a very zero-summy game. And the reality is anyone who's smart uses all of them, right? So they can trade them off each other and trade volumes off each other, et cetera. And I mean, the question this is... This is a good ever- point. These are just clouds, right? Yeah. Like, just- actually, th- this is the well, first time where this clicked for me, like... That they're literally building clouds, right? Like, I mean, that's what they um, are building. Unless one of them yeah. can do something that the others truly cannot, which I have a very hard time seeing how we end up in that world, right? Like, I think they're all going to be very good. And then, sure, some will specialize. There might be, like, you know, Adobe's cloud, which they'll certainly launch using their data and their tool to be slightly better at certain stuff. You'll use that API, whatever. But I just think this stuff is all going to... The core stuff will be all very commodity, whether it's decentralized or not. And commodity things end up getting competed mostly to zero. I mean, right? I think the interesting language that you're using, Sam, is will be. I think they already are, right? Like every founder I know that's working in this realm almost on a daily basis asks me, which one should I use for this or this? And everyone's using GPT and Anthropic. I mean, everyone's already doing this. So like that future is already here. Well, like it's I already commodity. The, the only counter to that, I will say, is like, for instance, the information is heavily using uh, OpenAI right now and GPT stuff for some very cool projects. And the interesting differentiation there is actually developer experience and ease of use, right, right now, right? Which is like, it's kind of annoying to use some of these other things. You have to talk to humans, like things like that. And GPT is the, uh, OpenAI is the only company that kind of Twilio style, you really can just like click, click, click with really basic mm. APIs and get What kind of an stuff. AI company are you if you have to talk to humans? Oh, yeah. exactly. Is yeah. there a network effect in terms of the improvement of the LMs from all of the people that are using it? There so better cool. fucking not be. Like, that's they all say I'm saying. They're not. They yeah, say I they're mean, not they using it. I mean, that, if they are, then we have to stop I mean, using them. <laughs> but like, Sam, that's like saying, you know, oh, you're, you're Facebook and you're not going to use the data for targeting. Oh, look, like, this is, there's no way yeah. that doesn't happen over time. Maybe they're. It's too appetizing. The the data asset is too. Like the centralization of that much data, that much value, like you cannot keep your hands off. I agree, except for the fact they've been swearing up and down that they're not doing that. And the fact is, is that because there really are B2B businesses, unlike Facebook, which is B2C. I, I think if they say that, they have to believe it because otherwise they're going to get their pants sued off by a lot of robo also, lawyers. Two quick thoughts. The AI lawyers. When the AI, AI lawyers, lawyers sue the, AI, the LOMs. <laughs> well, their regulation is coming way faster than these guys thought. You I mean, guys, ChatGPT is not a year old. It's not a year old. I mean, that's crazy, right? And I think, you know, obviously the regulatory stuff would follow fast, but it's following fast. And so... That's one thing. The other thing about the cloud analogy, which I think makes sense, but you didn't see people, the providers buying equity stakes in these companies in the cloud wars, right? So Walmart should have been. Well, Walmart didn't want to use Amazon's cloud and became Microsoft's biggest customer. We actually have an awesome database on the information for our pro subscribers where we track cloud spending on platforms of these guys. And it is kind of awesome. But, you know, the other big Amazon news of the week was a huge investment in Anthropic, up to a billion and a half dollars. Google is the largest shareholder of Anthropic. I'm I'm curious what you got. When I saw that, I was like, Google must be pissed. But maybe it like maybe this is just happening faster and everyone's already realizing that you'll have these kind of federations. But to not just like have multiple customers across competing providers, but now you're two largest shareholders 
or Google and Amazon. Isn't they using weird with Snap along these lines though in some cloud deal? Yeah, I mean, Snap scaled almost entirely on Google. Yeah, but did Google invest in Snap? That's a good question, Sam. I don't know if they invested. Well, Facebook, um, Microsoft definitely invested in Facebook as part of an ads overall deal. Yeah, so, like, and then we yeah, definitely think- invested in Facebook platform apps, um, you know, for a for a minute in the beginning as well. Yeah, it's not brand new, but it's just, it's happening at a huge scale. I mean, the Microsoft deal with OpenAI kicked it off. But I wouldn't be surprised if OpenAI raises money from literally anyone at this point. I mean, Google would probably surprise me a little bit, but it just seems like everyone's, like the capital needs are so great that they're, they're playing like a different game in terms well, of Well, also the good news is, is this era versus former, everyone's got a lot of money, right? Like, which is fun, right? Like, you know, it's like, you know, Microsoft can write op- chat open AI uh, in yes. theory, $10 billion check. And it's like, what, not even 1% of their market cap, right? So this like, is why Masa is still flailing in the wind because like nobody needs him yet. And that must drive him crazy. But I want to anyway. know from Scott, who is Adobe planning to invest in? Yes. Which one are you going to pick for your pony? <laughs> Oh, I mean, listen, we're, we're working with a number of these LLMs and I think we're, you know, we've, we've kind of come out publicly and said, hey, for all the creative models, we're going to build our own because we feel like we have the data sets and the, and the, and the experience on that. But on the LLM side, we're partnering um, with uh, a number of these folks and we are just kind of figuring out for what product, what LLM works best. I mean, one of the things we're trying to also figure out and I think a lot of people are talking about is this whole concept of agents and I know, like, you know, Dave, you and I have talked about this a little bit before, but this, I think we all recognize that there will, we will want to have like an, a, a natural language experience across all the digital experiences we have, whether it's a website or whatever, and you may want to have a conversation. And of course, it's powered by an LLM. Um, but the, uh, that agent you know, I have a lot of questions as I kind of go down the rabbit hole there. Like, first of all, does is that, that agent, what an agent is? Like, I, 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 was, I was talking right. about this on the back channel. Like what? Like everybody says this word agent as if like everyone understands what this word means. I have no idea what this word. Well, I means. think it's because a lot of people like read 1980s science fiction. And so they have some conception of what like a pre-internet agent is from those of us that did that. Yeah. I Aaron, mean, we all read Aaron that. But, like, people are... about... Okay. Wait, hold on. A lot of okay. women did not read 1980s science fiction. I just want to set that record straight. <laughs> you Sam, should. I mean, Scott, describe agent in your definition. Yeah. Well, my, my, my view is that an agent is literally not only, um, in the pyramid of things, right? It can start by answering your questions and it's a glorified help desk. But then going up the pyramid a little bit, it starts to uh, proactively do things for you. Like it's sort of, it's, it's, it's a form of autocomplete. It's a form of like predictive whatever, depending on what program you're in, application you're in. And then at the top of the pyramid, it's actually proactively suggesting things that you didn't even know you wanted. Like you're, you know, you're literally re- doing a campaign for some marketing thing. And it's like, actually try to cha- make this change to make it perform better. Or you're, or you're designing something and it's like, hey, actually red performs better than blue for what you're doing. I don't know. But it actually is more intelligent than you are to some degree and starts to advise you. I that see. So to play that back, to play that back, what I'm hearing. So an agent is something that's kind of prompting for you. It's like taking whatever you might be doing on your screen or in the app that you're using and sort of proactively suggesting things to you rather than you you having to write the prompt and put it in. Well, can I can I just put, take the nice right? Yeah, yes. I mean, I think that there's that there's the, the levels of the pyramid I just described. But yes, that's the that's 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 one of the things the agent would do. 
Well, there's a 1980s version of this, but I think is important to add on, which is like a pre-web version of how people thought about these things, which was effectively like an agent was like a digital twin that went out in the world and negotiated for you, hmm. right? Hmm. So before the public web existed, before the internet existed, there was an alternative model of how effectively computers and, and the network would work, where basically imagine you generate a digital twin that's like local to your machine or local yeah. to you. And only it's only job is to work for you. Everyone it's else only does job. That. It's only job is to come up with either. jokes to come back at Sam on the podcast. I mean, sure. And my <laughs> thing would come up with like, we would come up with witty responses to your jokes. So basically imagine a world <laughs> where like, instead of standardized APIs where you, Sam, go and use what Adobe has and someone's like your little side helper giving you, it's actually like, no, no, no. Like you're like, hey, I need to book a ticket. And some agent working on our behalf goes out to the world and looks right. at all the services and negotiates with everyone for the best rate. And so, so like you could have an agent that goes out on dates on your behalf and- <laughs> Absolutely. I actually think dating is a a great example of this. Imagine a world where rather than Tinder, where you text with something, you're like, listen, here's who I am, da, da, da. The other people are like, here's who we are. They go out and negotiate with each other and talk to each other and whatever, and they report back when they have a good answer. Bumble is already starting to do this, by the way. So props to Whitney. Bumble. Uh, Whitney over there is, is starting to work Wait, what are they doing, we're both, right, we're both right then. And I think the point we're making here is that a company can have an agent and a person totally. can have an agent, right? So the company's agent is doing what I just described. The person's agent is doing what Sam's describing. And I also think, by the way, there's a world in which they interact with each other without- 100%. Uh, they're negotiating with each other, right? And right. then the question is, who's dealing the people agents, right? Someone's going to be the dealer of people agents. Mm. We're well, like, it, and here we it, understand why everybody's worried about war breaking out. Yes. Well, this is Apple's version is clearly on device, as it always is, and your phone negotiating with the world. But it's like, imagine a world where instead of standard APIs, companies just had an agent and your agent would walk up and be like, hey, what services do you provide? And like, they'd be like, well, and the the agents could talk at super high speed back and forth and negotiate a variety of services. In massive Why is this better? Like, what are we trying? I mean, to to step back, the last generation of this Siri, Alexa, etc., has not exactly taken the world by storm. That's just an inter- that's just interface bullshit, though. Like, I think the difference is okay. is like the Siri. That's all that is is like vo- like answering dumb questions for you they get from the internet, right? And having a voice yes. front end, right? What an agent model of the world would be is like, let's say you're like, hey, agent, my agent, I want to go to New York tomorrow. And it like knows every preference, my seating preference, whatever. It would come back and be like, okay, I'm going to ping wheels up. I'm going to ping kayak. I'm going to ping everyone and say, hey, Sam wants to go to New York. What do you got for me? And it can in parallel negotiate with all of them. It might come back and be like, hey, Sam, guess what? Scott's flying to New York. And as the chief strategy officer of Adobe, he's got a plane, <laughs> right? Let's uh, let's hop on his wait. plane for free, right? <laughs> can I just wait? <laughs> First of all, I love that you use wheels up still, Sam. Um, secondly, we do not use wheels up. Oh my god, <laughs> Sam, you built a whole business that decided that people were needed for this and technology couldn't do it. So, well, explain actually, to us. Oh, yeah, it's funny. I, so, my I started a company called Finn, right, which was trying to do this a decade ago, and it was actually technically the Finn Exploration Company. And, and I, Cortina, my co founder, actually been a had a decade, me, yeah, isn't that almost. Had me pull up the charter from 2015 we wrote about this. Artificial, and it's really artificial intelligence. Share it. The charter was all about how we believed in the end there would be an AI solution, but it wasn't there yet. We wanted to get ahead and figure out how this all worked by putting people in a loop and then pairing them back. Hilariously, I now get pinged once a week by someone who's starting a Finn clone and says, now is the time it will finally work. And I'm like, ah, I know where too many of the skeletons are buried. I don't think it is. But it is like, I do think that like there is... 
there are aspects of what we did with Finn, right, where there were really magical service experiences, but they were expensive and hard to deliver that you could do better now. I'm still not sure it's a good company, but, but it is but, a good experience. So let's do a quick flash poll. In terms of AI agents, are we all more in or less in in terms of believing that that's a reality, like that this will happen? And at it's the coming? Level? Yeah. More in. More in. 100%. The question more is in. like how what, – what did you call it? Scott, on the back channel, we had the agent. Oh, yeah. So well, to one, one, one comment, then the question that, that Britt's referring to. But I also think, by the way, agents are going to save us from all the concerns we have about AI. Because a lot of the concerns around AI. Oh, you, you AI isn't going to save us from AI. Like, I don't believe you know, like all the, all the stuff that the bad actors can do with AI to like use someone else's voice, like your grandmother, and get you to give money. Hopefully, your agent is on your behalf saying, that's not real. Or so I just, I'm saying like, I think our personal, yeah, agent like, don't give grandma money. Fuck grandma. <laughs> here's the other, here's the other issue about the bad agents is that everyone's building these the companies are all building their agents, but they're being built at various levels. So their operating systems are coming out with agents and windows just announced like an operating system level copilot. We also know that edge has a copilot, right? We also know that companies like I mean, Adobe and others are building cop are building copilot or, or agents into their products. So what if you're like, yeah, I mean, iOS 17 has it in the keyboard. <laughs> Right. You might have agent inception where you have like agents on top of agents on top of agents helping you. So I will say, I think one of the interesting things you talk about AI agents being an important part of the future. Here's, I actually think, a, a different angle to get to the same place, which is what's really happening, I think, with a lot of this AI stuff is the public web is dead. People are not going to post shit publicly, right? Because why would you? you give away all the value, get nothing in return because the LLMs just ingest it and like we're not even going to send you traffic back. Like the error, the error of that trade is over. What that means is everyone goes behind wall gardens, right? So what that means is that rather than having a public web you can look at and navigate, instead you're going to have all these little pockets of wall gardens. And the only way that you're going to get to know what's in them is by having someone going and knocking on the front door and be like, uh, excuse me, what services do you offer? Like, And because everything's going to hide, then you're going to need personal agents to go out to find what services even exist in a way that didn't happen in the last generation because everything could be more open. So imagine like everyone's in their bunkers now and like no one's going to share shit with each other. And you're going to need to have a digital twin or a double going out to even discover what services exist. So how does trust and safety work? What? How does trust and safety work in an agent Wait. world? What's the difference between an agent and a bot? I mean, well, like, the, a lot of the we, agents right now have what's called human in the loop. So they're like, 80%, at least like I know one, I talked to a founder this morning whose platform is 80% human, 20% AI. Um, but over the next three years, they expect it to flip to be like 80% AI, 20% human. I already like, did this game. I already, like, had yeah. a 20%, I already had a 20% AI, 80% yeah. thing a decade ago. I was going to say, just it's like the self-driving cars have been, you know, been closing that last 20% gap for the last 10 years. <laughs> I'm just, yeah. all I'm saying though, is there are, there are currently for a lot of these agents still like human oversight or humans in the loop, um, helping them get tasks done for some of these platforms. Because the AI doesn't work. <laughs> and how am it's I gonna like yeah but it seems like maybe my head isn't screwed on today but it seems like you guys are all saying very contradictory things you're saying this is what the future is going to be like it's going to be agents all the way down you'll have an agent to be your personal assistant you'll have an agent to help you with your job blah 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 but at the same time like we've talked at length on the pod about the severe limitations even of today's LLMs, right? Sam, you talked about how we use OpenAI, the information, and it's useful, but like you were just explaining to me, we're like 
it's actually not that good yet. And so where you have like jerry rigged to like having to run it basically in two different ways to even get a result that's good enough because like running it in the way it's supposed to be run doesn't give us a good enough result. So like, what's the gap here? Is it time? Are we talking about horizons or like, what's the gap? I want Scott to again answer that first. You made me think of the question that I have, which is like, what is the prodigy or CompuServe of the AI era? And are we talking about companies right now that are doing it in a certain way that will, maybe there is a step function better way, you know, in terms of both efficiency and quality and other factors I can't even think of that will really differentiate this stuff. Um, I, I happen to believe, by the way, that a lot of AI-powered things um, are going to be able to be run locally and that, you know, and, and also with less powerful models that, you know, for good enough outcomes. And, uh, and so there's, I think there's a, good, there's a good debate that I've had with people that are way smarter than I that goes both ways. One is like, oh my gosh, you think H100s are good? Like, wait until you see the next chip and the next chip and the next chip. And, it's, and then another, the other half of the group is like, you're not going to need that for a lot of things you need to do. Definitely like, not. You know, well, they both can be true. Well, one point on that, and that it's just been a prolific week of the information, I must say. But another story we had is that Microsoft is developing its own Gen AI. So Microsoft, who's $10 billion into OpenAI, gave it exclusive access to their IP, has decided, in part because it's too expensive to run, they're going to build a cheaper, functional enough version to have to power some of these applications. I think that tell, I just think that supports exactly what you said, Scott, right? Is that like, there will be like cost is going to be a huge factor. You'll be so able just to like get it would be with enough. cloud. I mean, that's, I guess that is the place where cloud, cloud is a little bit, yeah. it was a little bit different is like the thing that with cloud, everyone's got more or less the same class structure, right? It might be a little bit different, but it's not like dramatically different. You know, I think some of these models we're talking about, about what happens with, you know, these generative AI clouds and the competition is it's totally reasonable that Microsoft could come up with, especially for specific applications, like it's a hundred times cheaper, right? And yeah. like, why not for 1% of your market cap, not even lock up a competitor and then go build a hundred percent, hundred times cheaper version. Like that just seems reasonable, right? Do both, right? Um, especially if OpenAI is going to go raise money from Masa. But anyway. Well, by the well, way, can someone at 90 billion, which I love how you get to 90 billion. So like who anchored on a hundred? And then someone's like, <laughs> fine, but it's 90. Wait, so will, like, will Sam Altman like, finally oh, take can't... equity is my question. He didn't take equity no, this whole time. Because he's making bank so many other ways that like, I mean, I just mean, to he's carry through a bajillion different funds that be, he's fine. <laughs> he doesn't. Yeah. And for those of you who haven't been following the incest, Sam has said very consistently, first broken by the information, Sam Altman. <laughs> That he was not going to take equity in OpenAI, which you may remember was once a nonprofit, but that <laughs> is will be a book that for ship, another time. That ship is sailed. Ship yeah. sailed. Um, in our remaining minutes, we must talk about the big antitrust kahuna, in part because I feel we may disagree on it. But Dave Morin, lay out the government's case about it against Amazon. Well, I think that um, of all, like I was saying at the beginning, of all of the antitrust cases to me, this is the one that is the most te textbook, right? Like here you've got Amazon, I think in the most basic way, um, you know, interfering with the market, uh, you know, uh, releasing products to undercut the price of uh, other products in their marketplace. They're effectively, you know, harming consumer pricing through their actions, which is like, but you are know, the, they? I mean, I think you, they are 100%. You think there's the, the seller case, I think. 
you know, doing things like you can't offer prices for less elsewhere. Yeah. Again, and then bundling into stopped, Prime, yeah. right? Like they, yeah. they do, there's, there's like multi-step actions here, which are to me classic, you know, uh, you know, classic things that will draw antitrust scrutiny, right? And you can't make as clear of a cut of a case uh, with any of the other big, uh, the other big players. Um, you know, you can, you can kind of split hairs and look at, you know, the other guys, but this one is like, uh, to me, it's like straight up the fairway and they should drive it home. 12 years from now when it comes to trial. Scott, what are your thoughts? Oh my gosh, guys, I'm not a lawyer and I don't play one on TV. Although I will no, say- this is a podcast. This is not a TV <laughs> this is a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. This is a no facts zone, as Sam said. No, but I mean, uh, get back to me when I, I have I have a view of how AI should transform government, but I oh will save that until we have time. <laughs> Okay, Britt, what do you think? Um, I, I, as I said last week, uh, I'm turning a corner. I'm now more pro regulation. I just think like these big You're crazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just uh, who is my wife? You live in Mill Valley. How I want to mix shit up. I'm bored. I want to mix it up. I want to break up all these big tech companies. I think it creates more um, access for but, earlier startups. <laughs> I just but you want to break up the tech companies by investing, like giving more power to the Leviathan. Okay, but I was also the one who came. <laughs> On, I came on this podcast a few episodes ago and talked about how shitty Amazon's become and it's like all Chinese bullshit. I just, I don't know. Amazon deserves like a lot of, of scrutiny right now on a bunch of levels. And I, I do agree with Dave. Like this doesn't make, like they do have so many product lines on their own platform and they're undercutting other people. They put a lot of sellers out of business and like, maybe I'm just rooting for the little man here. Um, and a lot of these independent little sellers. Person. <laughs> little it's person. Little person. I mean, it little really woman. is the clash of the mom and pop versus the consumer. There's no way you can argue that consumers are worse off because of Amazon. You just can't. Yeah. You can't even squint and scan. Like, can we just talk about Walmart for a second? Where I don't know. I think you can, I, Jess. Yeah. They're getting duped by these Chinese sellers on Amazon that send you shitty quality products. That's but that's not an antitrust issue, right? Like the <laughs> antitrust law is actually fairly specific. I mean, a lot of people want to reform it, right? But you know, there it's very it, well, it no, hasn't it is been a, reformed. So the consumer has, side, the consumer side is an antitrust issue, right? When oh no, it uh, is, when, but it's also when like a big consumer platform, harm is defined in a certain way by the laws, right? And it's not defined as like, you know, I can't get, I mean, I've ordered three things for like less than I would ever have imagined today from Amazon that I need quickly and I'm going to get them. And so do I think that some of their practices are unfair to sellers? Absolutely. But I'm just trying to like look ahead to what the outcome is going to be here. And I think the government has a tall order and it, it has it on all of these things. And they're all separate cases. But look at the FTC had to resue Meta because it screwed up on the law, the first lawsuit it did. And who knows like where that one's going. The DOJ Google case, it, it's hard to know how it's going. I, I think the DOJ will land some blows, but it's not going to be earth shattering. Um I mean, I think this case is a big deal. I, I don't want to downplay it, but because Amazon deserves the scrutiny. But I'm struck, like, they redefined the market of online internet because, again, if you define it as online internet, they have minuscule, not minuscule share, but, you know, smaller share. So they define the market of online mega superstores or whatever. And whenever you see the government making up new terms for market definition, you're kind of like, oh. So anyway... So 
that's can I bring it back to AI and then maybe Scott can have the final word on government and regular AI, which is I actually think what's interesting in terms of paradigm shifts is like the reason Amazon is in such a dominant place is because their website has always loaded super fast and they deliver the things they say they're going to deliver. And so we've all decided that when we buy things, we're just going to go to mm. Amazon. Like one of the only places we actually search Amazon versus Google, for instance, mm. is because like True. Amazon. Now, in our little agent future, where little mini Sam goes out and crawls across the, the hidden internet because everything's gone completely private because crawling has been destroyed, like all of a sudden, the, like it doesn't matter. It's going to go to all the places, right, mm-hmm. to find like whatever the best product is mm-hmm. and open it up. And so I do think that it's a long time coming. We're not there yet. We still need the public web to collapse because of AI. There's several steps to play out. But when you look in 10 or 15 years in the future, I think a lot of this stuff will become less relevant because little mini AI Sam, agent Sam looking for things and talking to all the other agents doesn't doesn't need to go to amazon.com it can be way more creative in terms of where it looks i mean that's a fascinating thought i mean the whole idea of the interface layer fight that it's always been like the story of technology is whatever interface is on top is like a game of slap a hand and the winning hand on top is sort of like wins I, i remember thinking when alexa started to become more popular if i said to alexa order me a car and it just had a car show up, I would start to be agnostic as to whether it was Uber or some of those other companies that are struggling these days. But you know, to your point, maybe there's a world in which your agent you know, needs to find the product and maybe it's the actual manufacturer at that point that works with some 3PL and realizes they can totally cut out the middleman, AKA the Amazon in this case, to be able to get you what you want at even a better cost. Like who knows? I mean, But Amazon still has the the delivery infrastructure. Well, so in that example, that's the, but the, the basic point is you can have imagine like, you know, I'm like some creator of things. I put out my agent and I can talk to all the agents being, I have this for sale. I have this for sale. This fell. Yeah. I got to warehouse it. Yeah. There are steps and there's things like that. But like that actually blows away most of Amazon's advantage. Right. Cause all of a sudden from a multiplexing perspective, like I don't, the, the idea of being a, a website people go to and trust becomes completely irrelevant. It's a big blow, but I order from Amazon because it's showing up tomorrow, not actually because the website loads Yeah, fast. but Both if you go to a world where that's true and for your toilet paper, maybe they still keep your toilet paper business because they cash it super close. But like that's not the important part of their business, right? Yeah, like, and that's paper. only available in the big metros. It's not. Yeah. that's not reality yeah. for the rest of the country. So Scott, can you yeah. end on? I want to hear you. You teased us with your government yeah. vision. I, well, like no, I, I think I was just you know in in the we were talking earlier about you know, great opportunities for AI to, to on the startup side of things. And, you know, thinking about very workflow, uh, very um, disorganized and uh, labor intensive and big sort of maybe over overstaffed organizations. And, you know, of course, like government came to mind. There's so much that happens. Just go to the DMV or file or taxes or everything else in between. And you see what I'm talking about. And I just wonder you know, what is government talks a lot about their thoughts on AI, but has government like actually talked about what they're doing with AI? Has government recognized the need to refactor itself? Are there startups and technologies that are focusing on this? Like to me, that's probably one of the biggest TAMs in the world is government spending and refactoring a lot of these operations. I just, the military is thinking about it. Yeah, that's I think right. the military is thinking about it. I mean, remember, we also had, it's really been an AI week, guys. Um, writer strike ended with mm-hmm. some concessions on AI, but essentially the studios can use AI broadly for experimentation, but there's still going to be a person, a writer attached in name. Hmm. But like hmm. if, if the prospect of any of this ground Hollywood to a halt 
for five months. I can only imagine what it would do to the United States well, government. But it's a it's great point, happen. Scott. Someone should start a company there. They should come to Scott for funding. <laughs> do they have data and distribution um, or or not? And the good news is that there's distribution and data. I mean, I, I, think I can't wait. I can't grab. wait to see how royally the DMV fucks up AI. It's going to be comical. Like there's going to be, it's going to be like, <laughs> they're going to find a way to make it the worst possible experience. And it's going to be really fun. <laughs> you just want to buy the DMV, Sam. This has been a long held dream. Put, put the DMV and the TSA on it. The most broken bot in history. And like, no one's going to get licenses. He's going to have to send you in service. Oh, we're going to be doing tech support for the rest of our lives. Um, Mr. Belsky, thanks for joining us. You made us smarter. Uh, you brought honor. some some facts and perspective to the combo. Um, so a huge thank you to you. And the fifth um, wheel. The fifth wheel is going on my LinkedIn right now. The, the, the guts you get, Brent, for singing on national television. This is national television. television. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even I do that. No, you said it's not TV. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Britt, do it in Britney Okay, ready? Spears Here's voice. the Britney Spears. The fifth wheel. You're welcome, everyone. Britt's amazing. Also amazing. Um, our friends in the back channel who um, keep us smart and give us good ideas. And we actually have an IRL gathering soon, which we're very excited about. Um, thank you to everybody listening, sharing. Our pod is growing, which is so exciting. Um, brings us a lot. I was going to say joy. That may be an overstatement, but um, oh. we're super satisfied <laughs> to joy. be able to be able to be useful to you guys. So it is my agent joy. Send us <laughs> my feedback. agent tells me it's joyful. My my, um, my agent to combat Sam is coming soon. Have your agents write us five-star reviews. Share this with your <laughs> friends. Spread the word. And we'll see you next week. Bye, everyone. Have a great one. Later, bye. bye, everyone. If you enjoyed this show, please leave us a virtual high five by rating it and reviewing it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. Find more information about each episode in the show notes and follow us on social media by searching for at more or less at Dave Morin at lesson at J lesson. And as for me, I'm at Brit. See you guys next time.